Coming to you from the breakfast taco capital of the world, it's the most unique hour of sports talk streaming worldwide. Worldwide. And beyond. And beyond. Live from the Alamo City, it's the Two Shots Podcast, hosted by Joe Garcia. Welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia. And today I'm going to be joined by my co-host. We're going to be joined by the one and only Benjamin Bornstein of Project Spurs. How's it going, Ben? Fantastic, sir. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Now that you've kind of graced us with your your presence here, it's been quite some time. You know, we've kind of yeah, had schedules that are conflicted, so good to see you. Yeah, it's been too long. That it has been. And also we're going to be joined by the one and only Mr. Wesley Perkins here. Wesley, how's it been going? I mean, you've been a busy family man doing things you know yeah it's been a crazy time i was trying to think the last time that we actually got on, on together guys it was uh preseason basketball i mean at wow. least i think i it's been a while so good to be back on with you guys ready to talk some sports that was yeah. like five years ago wes and dog uh, years yeah, for real. <laughs> and dog years five years so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of preview the upcoming game that is going to be the san antonio spurs versus the charlotte hornets and as i was talking with uh, ben, before you came on here, uh, Wesley, we're kind of comparing the two teams' records, you know, and right now the, the the Hornets are at 15 and 14 at number eight in the Eastern Conference. The San Antonio Spurs, well, they're at their record is 10 and 16, and they are 12th in the Western Conference. They only fare better than the Pelicans, Thunder, and Rockets, which we know all these teams are tanking hard. You know, if the Spurs want to tank, they got to do a better job than the other three teams below them. <laughs> if that is the in fact that is what they're going to wind up doing but i doubt that very much the team has been playing a little bit better in the last couple of games and as we look to see what they can do against the charlotte hornets we have some last minute updates uh as far as the injury updates go and the latest sh- says right here looking at what paul garcia had put up on on his twitter uh, the Hornets say Jalen McDaniels is available to play on Wednesday. Plumley, Mason Plumley, is questionable. Ish Smith is out, which is good news for us because, as Ben had stated too, and as I was talking about, he tends to be one of these players that flourishes when he plays San Antonio Spurs. Lamelo Ball, killer. yeah, Lamelo Ball is definitely out for Wednesday's Wednesday's game versus the, you know, the San Antonio Spurs. So I kind of like the Spurs' chances, you know of. They can keep Ish Smith off the court. I, I like our chances even more. This is a game, for all intents and purposes, that the San Antonio Spurs should win. But we know that it's a, it's a full four quarters that they have to play. And we know what happens in that third quarter. They could be up by 20-plus, almost 30 points, and they'll allow a team right back in the game and even possibly even take the lead or you know finish the third only up by one or down by three. Stranger things have happened, so... I, it's not a safe bet to just go ahead and claim victory. I think this game is going to be a lot closer than Spurs fans like. But at the end of the day, I'm still picking the team to get the victory by no less than eight points. So oh. we'll see what oh, happens. I didn't know we were putting spreads on this. I am. I'm putting my spread on there. I said they're okay. going to win by eight points or Do less. Call your shot, baby. On that spread. <laughs> so, you know, even, you know, the betting trends, they, they kind of have their thing going on right now. Uh, the Spurs currently are six and four in their last ten games. Uh, you know, at home they've kind of had some struggles on the road. They're fifteen and eleven at home, eight and six. Uh, 
So the Hornets, they're five and five in their last ten games. So they're right at five hundred. Uh, on the road, Charlotte's been seventeen and twelve. At home, they've been seven and ten. So the 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 Hornets and the Spurs going head to head. You know, going back to March of twenty, March the twenty second of twenty twenty one. The Hornets did best the Spurs in that game, 100-97. to And their last matchup on February the 14th, San Antonio was the victor. And it was February 14th of 2021. San Antonio was the victor over the Hornets by a final score of 122-110. to So we look at the, the, the teams and basically where they currently stand, you know, as far as their stats go. And I'll just put out some numbers there. Points per game, San Antonio is 11th with 108.5 points per game. Charlotte Hornets, 115.8 points per game. They are first. Field goal percentage, San Antonio is 46.8%. That's good enough for fourth. The field field goal percentage for the Hornets, 46.3%. They're 10th. Three-point shooting percentage, 35.1%. Therefore, for the San Antonio Spurs, that puts them at 14th. The Hornets... 38.4%, 38.4%, good enough to be tops in the league from three-point range Well, as far as their percentage goes, three-point shooting percentage. Rebounds, San Antonio's kind of running the mill in the middle of the pack at 12th with 45.3%. Hornets, 43.6%. They're good enough for 25th. Now, assist, Spurs are second at 28%. The Hornets, they're good enough for third at 26.4%. Turnovers, San Antonio is sixth with 13.3%, and the Hornets are fifth at 13.1%. Now, steals, San Antonio is eighth at 8.4%. Hornets, 8.8%, good enough to be fifth. Okay, and as we start bringing the stats kind of a close here, the blocks, San Antonio has 5.1% blocks. They're good enough for 13th. The Hornets, 5.5%, good enough for sixth. So they fare a little bit better than us. Fouls now, San Antonio is first at committing fouls at 16.8%. The Hornets, 19th at 19.4%. So there's kind of some of the stats that I called out. And we're not going to get that that matchup that everybody was looking at, you know, DeJounte and LaMelo, since LaMelo is out, you know, kind of with that NBA health and safety protocols because of COVID. Uh, so, you know, Ben, go ahead and let us know what are your feelings? What do you think? You think the San Antonio Spurs are going to go ahead and be able to best the Charlotte Hornets and string together a, a little win streak here? Charlotte Hornets don't have their starting point guard, who is very, very good. They don't have a backup point guard in Ish Smith, who is apparently only good against maybe five teams in the league, and the Spurs are one of them. So that definitely bodes well for the Spurs. I also the the Hornets have not played well with Lamella Ball out. Uh, they have lost, I think, three of their last four games. They haven't looked particularly good, and their defense is atrocious. They they give up the most points in the league. So with the Spurs playing much better, especially in offense, and especially if they're hitting their threes, I, I think that 35% for the Spurs might be a bit misleading because they were cold to start the season. At least Derek White was, and he's, he's a bit of a volume three-point shooter for this team. So I, with him heating up in the last couple games and getting his confidence back and you know, kind of riding some momentum, I think there's a good chance the Spurs win this game. Oh, you're not going to call your spread? No, I don't. I'm not a gambling man, Joe. I'm not a degenerate, <laughs> sir. 
<laughs> also, whatever spread I put on this game is going to be horribly wrong. People are going to get mad at me, and I don't need more reasons for people to get mad at me as much as I enjoy being yelled at on Twitter. Can't believe you're not going to put your spread out there, man. Fine. Six and a half points. Six and a half. You heard it here. You made me do it, Joe. So if you lose money, you come looking for Ben. <laughs> yeah. <okay>. Yeah. <laughs> so there you have it. Wesley, what do you think? What does your gut tell you? You think the Spurs are going to be able to beat the Charlotte Hornets and string together a two-game win streak? Well, the one thing we know is that they haven't always played well after a win, right? We saw that recently with uh, the, the Nuggets. And, of course, I, I kind of take that a little bit with a grain of salt, that game in particular, because of you're playing the same opponent twice. That's just ludicrous to do. Um, but nonetheless, I do like their chances against the Hornets. And, and even if Lamella was playing, Joe and Ben, I think that they would probably still have a good shot at winning. And I, I say that not because I'm suddenly feeling like we're championship material here in, in the San Antonio Spurs land, but because you're seeing, you know, a really good confidence coming now out of DeJounte and Derek. Um, you know, both of those guys, I think, have started to take the lead in terms of um, not just, you know, scoring load and those kinds of things, but they're they're making plays for their teammates. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I feel like, regardless of who's playing for Charlotte or not, is you're seeing a resurgence of offense and it's not showing yet in the stats, but you, but you're seeing better ball movement, better sharing, um, less forced three pointers, more open threes, and you know, whether they make them or they don't. Um, but, uh, the one thing that I noticed as well is, uh, one block of hurdle who is doing well on defense as we know, but he's become much more of an offensive force, especially in probably the last four or five games. Um, he's, uh, hitting that pop a shot with regularity in the paint. Um, I've been happy, Joe. We've called for it for a long time, haven't we? That, hey, dunk the dang ball. And, you know, Block of Purple has been just dunking people in the basket. So, um, I mean, I, I like the flow that this team's in right now. I think they're, they're getting good, good uh, contributions off the bench. And uh, so I like them really against anybody, most any night. Um, but it always comes down to, uh, you know, can you put the ball in the basket? And this young core, sometimes they – uh, can't hit the broadside of a barn, and other nights they're they have it going and their confidence soars. So um, I think I think the big key is yeah it's it is a, a little bit of a depleted Hornet squad uh, in terms of who's going to be playing. But um, you know when you're leading the league in scoring and three point shooting, that's that's dangerous. Um, and we've seen the Spurs get run off the court many a time by a, a really strong three point shooting team. So um, I got the Spurs, and I'll say a spread of. I'll, I'll I'll take a spread of five. No oh, man, so I I chose eight to be safe. Ben was six, and now you're five. So if you all are losing, you know, on the spread, then you got to come come look for Ben and Wes, you know, and demand your money back. <laughs> yes, but don't come looking for Joe. It's never Joe's fault. Not my fault. I'm I'm being realistic, dude. I'm giving you all eight points on the spread. I didn't give you the over and under. I don't I don't even want to go there. Please don't. <laughs> But over the last 10 games, the Spurs have been 6-4, and four, averaging 110.4 points per, ga per game and 47.9 you know, rebounds at 28.4 assists, 7.6 steals, and 5.1 blocks a game while shooting 47.1% from the field and holding their opponents uh, you know, at 106.5 points per game. The Hornets... Over their last 10 games are 4-6, and six, averaging 120.6 points per game. They're getting 39.5 rebounds, 26.7 assists, 8 steals, 
and 6.4 blocks per game, all while shooting 48.2% from the field and holding their opponents to 122.7 points. Not too bad. I mean, this is what we're looking at right now. You know, we're kind of previewing the, the Spurs and the Hornets game, you know, but again, you know, Hornets are going to be without some of their key players. But one of the players that we can't overlook with the Hornets is going to be. Um, when did I have it? I just had him right here. Hold on. The guy. Obviously, the guy. No, I just. Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges. Yeah, I was going to read out his stats. Miles Bridges has been averaging 20.2 points per game, 3.3 assists per game, and 7.2 rebounds per game. So if Miles Bridges kind of has a, you know, let's say a stellar game against the Spurs, I can keep things a little close, a little too close for comfort here. But we'll go ahead and see what the Spurs defense can go ahead and do against this Charlotte Hornets high-powered offense. But again, they're going to be missing some of their key players. So the Spurs could look like world beaters in the first half and then wheels come off in the third. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that this team is going to be able to do enough to come away with the victory. Because if you lose this game, it's going to be deflating uh, as far as the ego goes, because this is one that's basically being handed to you. I mean, you have to go out there and actually play good basketball and win the game. And it's very doable for this team. But again, consistently, uh, they have not been very good. They're not very consistent. You know, they just lose a couple games. And I'll say this, Joe, for what it's worth, the Hornets give up the most points in the league per game. So, yes, they have the second best offense in the league as far as points per game goes. But they're off. Their defense is so bad that they still have a net rating of minus one point three, which is twenty first in the league. Yeah. So, with missing a Lamelo Ball, a guy who can go out and make the offense easier, and and even help you on defense at times, and his backup puts a lot of stress on PJ Washington and Miles Bridges to make plays not only for themselves, but for other guys on the team. So, yes, this should be a good offensive team from the Horn, you know, that the Hornets will put on the floor, but the defense was bad with those two guys. It might be worse without them. So that might be something to also keep an eye on. So, Ben, are you saying that they're the Ricky Bobby of the NBA? They're like first <laughs> and last. So if you, if you ain't first, you're last. Yeah, come on. Charlotte Ricky Bobbies, let's go. The Charlotte Ricky Bobbies. I love it. I'm sure Ricky Bobby has raced in Charlotte on many occasions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But as we start looking ahead, too, you know, because we're just previewing the Spurs and Hornets game, uh, for the month of December to close out the year, the Spurs do have some opponents that are going to be a little bit tough here, you know, for them. They face the the Utah Jazz on December 17th, which is going to be this coming Friday, after they go ahead and play the Hornets then. On Sunday, December 19th, they're going to play the Kings, which are not a very good team. But again, you just never know what's going to happen with this Spurs team. Clippers, they've been on the decline. You know, they're not the team they once were. And they play them on December the 20th. The Lakers, the Spurs, I don't know. And the Lakers kind of have this heated rivalry this season. You know, I would have loved to see the Spurs best the Lakers here at the AT&T Center because I was at the game, but it was not to be. They played the, the Lakers on Thursday, December the 23rd. They play the Pistons, again, a team that's on the decline as well, on Sunday, December the 26th. 
on Monday, December the 27th, they play the Jazz again. Then they play the Miami Heat on December 29th. And to finish out the year, they play the Grizzlies on December 31st. No, I mean, thanks. <laughs> some of these teams you look and, okay, okay, you know, they, they're not really where, where they need to be, you know, whether it be for injury, you know, injuries that have, have kind of, you know, hurt the teams. Either way, the Spurs, I think they can go ahead and finish the year out and hopefully, you know, put together some wins here. I think if they can get this win against Charlotte, that's two wins there. You know, yep. like this game against the Jazz kind of intrigues me because the Spurs, they've beaten the 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 NBA world champs and the Milwaukee Bucks. It'd be interesting to see how competitive they are against the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz are a very good team. They have some length and size inside the paint. Seems to give the San Antonio Spurs some trouble because yep. this is a game where Yaka Portal can go ahead and get in foul trouble early. And if he's sitting on the bench riding the pine pony, guess who's going to go ahead and back him up? We're either going to get a heavy dose of Drew. <laughs> Damn right. And, you know, Spurs fans are going to be like, oh, no, here we go. You know, so it means that uh, Gobert could feast on the Spurs inside the paint. But we'll go ahead and see what happens with this team. But I really think that the Spurs have a good chance of finish, uh, finishing off the month, the rest of the month of December, maybe with, a you know, a, a three or four game win streak. I mean, that's my thoughts. What do you think, Ben? So there's actually a really interesting quirk in the schedule here where so they they play Charlotte, they have a day off, they go to Utah, day off, and then at Sacramento, followed by at Clippers the next day, and then two days off and they play the Lakers rather than I guess you know, I guess you weren't gonna go three days back to back to back. That would have the NBA is trying to ban that kind of stuff, but um, that could be kind of a nutty stretch where I could absolutely see the Spurs beating Sacramento. Like you said, they're not a very good team. Um, you know, you get a letdown against the Clippers and then really depending on what's going on with the Lakers at that point, I mean, next between now and next week, kind of anything can happen really. I mean, we've seen what seems like half the Eastern conference go into health and safety protocols. I mean, Giannis is going to miss games. Wes Matthews, um, the LaMelo ball is missing games now. And there are a few other guys. They, it seemed like a laundry list of guys that Woj was just firing off today. So, you know, we don't, we don't know if that might spread out to the West and get some of those guys, but also, you know, we, we don't know if the Lakers are going to be resting guys because they may very well rest, uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, because that game is on, I believe the 23rd. And they say, we don't really care about that game. We want to make sure we're healthy for a Christmas day game. And so we can show out and put on a good show for Christmas. So there's potential for load management in there somewhere. And I, I think, you know, if Anthony Davis isn't feeling a hundred percent, which let's be honest, there's a lot of times he's not, he's uh, in my friend group. He's actually become known as Anthony eggshell Davis because he's <laughs> so fragile, but um you know, I, I think there's there's potential for a nice little winning streak there or or at least kind of a get three wins in four games kind of deal. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And really, there there's maybe two or three teams in that stretch where if the Spurs lose to them, they should absolutely be upset with themselves. If you lose to the Pistons, you should be pissed. If you lose to the Kings, you should be very upset, especially knowing that you have the Clippers the next night. 
and and you gotta you know you gotta travel there. I mean, it's not a far travel, mind you, of course, but um, you know that's still a back to back. Those are back to back games, so you have to be mentally and physically prepared for those. If and they will not be if they lose to the Kings. That will, I mean, that would mess me up this year, knowing that they've already fired a coach and they brought in an interim guy who is a good coach. I happen to like Alvin Gentry a lot, but there's potential that that guy's not going to be the coach next season either. So he's he's kind of coaching. He's not really coaching for his life. He knows he's going to end up somewhere next year. It's not a big deal, but the Kings are just a mess. They have no idea what they're doing at times. It's kind of nuts. So, you, you know, a team with no real leadership like what like they have with Popovich at the helm in San Antonio, that's that's a game to me you have to have if you're the San Antonio Spurs. I, I look at it from one one perspective though, Ben, and this is this is the truth of the Spurs this year, right? Oh boy, they they play like world beaters against the best competition in the NBA, and we've seen it back. You know, you saw it with the Bucks. You saw them yep. beat the Bucks on the road. You saw them beat the Warriors. You saw them dang near take down the the Phoenix Suns on the road as well. And then come home and lay an egg. I mean, again, the New York Knicks are a solid, you know, squad. No, no doubt about it. I mean, but they they just laid an egg. And the same thing happened, you know, out in the East Coast when they went out that way a while back. They they took on an Indiana squad that you figure, well, that's going to be a chance at a good win, and they get blown off the floor. I I, I kind of think, and, and, and I don't know forget, we don't they lost this. to the Minnesota Timberwolves as well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, exactly. You know. I, I know we don't want to hear this as Spurs fans, and I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer, so cue the Debbie Downer music. But there's a reason why we have the sixth worst record in the NBA right now. How dare you, Wesley? And that's because other teams look at us and they think that's an easy win. You speaker of facts, how dare you? So a team like Sacramento, who where Buddy Heald and you know De'Aaron Fox tend to go off against the Spurs, always poses a threat. Um, you know, so I guess the question is, and this is for both of you, you know, do you think are the Spurs going to flirt at, before the new year or at the new year mark? Are the Spurs going to flirt anywhere near 500 or are they going to keep this win one, lose one, win two, lose three kind of situation and end up still about six or seven under the 500 mark? I honestly believe that they're going to keep on with the trend of stringing together a couple wins here and there, lose two, maybe win two, then lose one, win three, then again, you know, lose three, win one game here. It's That trend's going to continue, and it, it just has to do with the inconsistency of this young team. And we got to emphasize young team means inexperience. They still yes. need to get a lot of experience. They're trending in the right direction. So I, as I stated before the season even started, I'm fine with the with the losses as long as I see that they're learning from the losses and they're continuing to play better, meaning that the games are competitive, they're not blowouts, I'm fine with that. I just want to see growth out of this team. And particularly, I want to see some of our other uh, players on here, specifically Lonnie Walker, play a bit, little bit more consistent. I know Spurs fans want him to score, you know, 20 points, 15 points a game. I'm not looking for that. The only thing I want to see out of the kid is for him to, you know, string together some really good defensive stance, you know, actually playing a good 3 and D kind of uh, guy. You know, I think that's what he can develop into, playing out there on the wing, guarding the wing. When he gets a chance, he can go ahead and knock down a three here and there, help the team, because I really believe at this juncture, if you can go ahead and get six points out of Lonnie, nine points out of Lonnie, 
on any given day, given game, and he can play good defense, Coach Pop will take that night and day, you know, and he's going to wind up getting Lonnie minutes, even to the dismay of Spurs fans who would say, well, he's not very good. He's not scoring tons of buckets. That's not necessarily why Coach Pop wants him out there. He wants him out there to be a body to go out there and defend the wing, you know, and- and Joe, that's what a lot of people don't understand. The, they don't have context for what Lonnie Walker's role is. And it's exactly what you described. If really you're throwing him out there for his defense and you want him to hit enough shots to keep the other team's defense honest. Yeah. And, you know, he's had some really nice games. He's scoring in the high teens. I think he's had a couple of 20 plus games already this season. And, you know, Spurs fans get super excited about it and they say, Oh, yeah, this is the Lonnie we've been waiting for. This is the Lonnie who should show up every night. If that's the Lonnie who shows up every night, you're also taking away shots from DeJounte Murray and Derek White. Amen. And that's not necessarily ideal in this offense. And you're and you're taking away shots for Devin Vassell or Doug McDermott. And you don't want to take away open shots for Doug McDermott because there's a reason the man's nickname is Doug McBuckets. Or the seventh percentage shooter the seventh best percentage shooter in three land keldon johnson oh thank god i thought you were going to say bryn forbes and i was oh, going to get upset no. No. but yes come on bryn forbes Street. what's wrong with you sir bryn uh, forbes is i've insurance. been asking myself that for years bryn forbes um, is insurance <laughs> but I, uh, keldon johnson is very streaky i love keldon johnson i like everything else he does on the floor but do not be uh do not do not get taken in by the hot three-point shooting suddenly i do not think it will stay He's going to have some games where he goes, you know, 0 of 2, 0 of 3, 1 of 4, you know, what, you know, 1 of 5. He's going to have games like that. So I would say temper the expectations a little bit. But when Kelton has a good game, absolutely celebrate it. Yeah. You know, and that's what Kel- I like the aggression of Kelton Johnson. Let's face yes. it. That's why he's out there. He has that energy. He has that tunnel vision. He's going to put his head down. He's going to go to the bucket. He's going to go to the, the bucket, the basket. And not be denied, you know, and he's going to wind up going to the stripe. The problem is the Spurs are one of the worst free throw shooting teams in the NBA right now, you know, and then you see go back and you look at a lot of these close games, some of the games that they've lost by four points, three points, maybe even by one point, you make your free throws and we're talking about a victory. You know, look at what happened with the Phoenix Suns, you know, if they would have made their free throws down the stretch, they could have kept this game and it could have been interesting. You may be going to overtime. Or they could have go ahead, if they made their free throws, they could have won the game maybe by a point or two. A win's a win. I don't care how they get it, but yep. knock down your free throws. Those are, those should be give me's, especially with this young and experienced team. You're giving up points, you know, by not being able to knock down something as simple as a free throw. Especially and- watching Jakob out there, Ben. It's painful, <laughs> dude. It is beyond painful. That's. We need to get Jakob Pertl's sight beyond sight so he can see the rim better when he shoots because some of those clankers are questionable, sir. Some of them That's don't even hit the rim. Ben Simmons so they can get uh, free throw lessons for Jakob Pertl. Oh, stop. man. Stop. Stop right don't now. Don't bring up Ben Simmons' name anymore. I'm done. <laughs> Blasphemous. I'm done with him. You know, he, and just to put it to rest, the Ben Simmons rumors, I think, were put to rest as Sham Sharnaya went ahead and put out a list of teams that are still in the hunt for one Ben Simmons. We did not see the San Antonio Spurs mentioned anywhere. The reason behind that, the asking price is still way too high for Ben Simmons. Yes, sir. And Spurs fans have delusions of grandeur, too, with maybe going ahead and making a trade with the Indiana Pacers for Sabonis. 
What are you willing to give up in order to go ahead and make that trade? Do you want to give up some of your players that are starting to develop a little bit? No. And then what are you going to do? Sabonis is not a superstar. It's not a, a team, not a not a player that you want to surround a team, you know, to, to build a team around, in other words. He's a Low key, key though, component. If, if the Spurs wanted to go after Miles Turner at the oh, right price, yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't yeah. hate that either. But again, what are you willing to give up? You know, we yeah. also heard that, uh, you know, that little trade rumor here, like you were saying with the San, with the Phoenix Suns, and you know they kind of wanted to, you know, take a look at Dad Young. So who knows? They're, they were going to give up Jalen Smith, who is I think he's yeah. played fairly well in the last few games, and That's in place a- of DeAndre Ayton and with Dario Saric out, and with of course Frank Kaminsky is out. So you know Jalen Smith has no choice; he has to play, and he has to play well, or he's not going to stick around for too much longer. That was a guy that. A lot of people were very high on and people thought he went too high in the draft and now he's got to prove that I was worth the pick. So I wouldn't mind him though. Six foot no. ten, two hundred and fifteen pounds is what he was listed at. He was uh picked in the first round. I think he was a tenth overall selection. I mean yep. in twenty twenty. He went high. I wouldn't mind having the kid, you know, trade him for Thad Young. Straight up deal, why not? But you know this the Phoenix Suns Who says if, no? If they if they want to go ahead and trade for Thad Young, they're gonna to want to sweeten the deal a little bit. They're gonna be like, "What else y'all got?" You know. I mean, you always got to reach, see what see what teams are willing to give you. But at the same time, the Suns have to know they're they're buyers. They're not sellers. They wanna they wanna add pieces to get themselves over the hump and you know get back to the finals and hopefully win it this time. So, well, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I mean, like. You play your cards right this year. I believe it's this year. Tell me if I'm wrong. Um, they picked up the Bulls first round. Plus, you know, they, they're looking at a lottery pick. Right now, you're a top six, you know, ish type, you know, chance of getting a, you know, a decent, you know, good lottery pick out of this draft. And, you know, as Ben will tell us in a little bit, there's some really good prospects. But, you know, I, I just, I don't see it that who do, you, who do you take that would really improve your franchise? And for Spurs fan that's, that's saying, well, we just don't want to be out of the out of the playoffs because we're not going to be relevant for for you know the way we're going. I'm just like, yes, but you know, did you see what the Suns did? Did you see what the Utah Jazz did? Yes, Chris Paul came and helped the Suns, but Devin Booker was on his way. You know, Devin Booker and DeAndre DeAndre Ayton were doing some great things, and you you saw what the Utah Jazz did with with their draft picks, and I and I just think that in the long run, the patience of this franchise is going to pay off, and they're going to see who needs to stay this year and who doesn't, and. I think that you're going to see maybe, you know, guys, tell me if you think this is off my rocker here, but maybe you move Thad. Maybe they're going to move Bryn to, to a contender and they might get a piece or two back. Well, or a piece. Some teams are interested in Bryn. Yeah. So the big the big deadline, we're, so we're recording on December 14th. The big deadline is tomorrow where some guys who signed in the offseason are now tradable. Um, so I'm going to need Ty Yeager to take a nap. <laughs> because every time he takes a nap, some trade happens. <laughs> Sorry, Ty, I love you, but I need you to take a nap. And um, I think that it's certainly possible the Spurs move somebody, and maybe they even they even say, you know, we know Zach Collins hasn't uh, played at all for us, but he's progressing well in his rehab. You know, maybe he'll he should pass the physical, whatever, and we'll move off his contract which is very team friendly i believe he's this year is the only guaranteed year and there might be a partial guaranteed guarantee in his second year and then 
if you if you release them by a certain time, the third year is completely non guaranteed. Um, so if if a team gets him and they don't like what they see, they can easily move off his contract, and it's not going to cost him much. I think it was ten mil a year. Um, so again, super team friendly contract, but I don't believe that's a guy who's going to get moved because the Spurs picked him up probably thinking we'll wait, we'll be patient. He'll rehab. He'll come back out maybe this month, maybe sometime in January, and we'll see if he can earn some minutes, especially if, you know, Drew Eubanks isn't quite doing it for us in, in lieu of Jakob Pertl when he's off the floor. And obviously, you can't play both of those guys together. You better that watch your be mouth disaster. because that's Ty Yeager's boy right there, Drew Eubanks. He doesn't want any slander on Drew. <laughs> I'm sorry. Drew, listen, Drew Eubanks has had a very nice career. Um, but has he, though? <laughs> stop. Oh, Don't do that. Stop, Don't man. do that. Drew's, Drew's a good guy, man. He's a nice person, man. Yeah, he's a, he's a hustler. He's awesome. I, I think he's I don't think he gets his just dues, to be honest. No, he's no. Listen, he's for what he was coming out of college. He has done very nicely for himself. OK, mm-hmm. he is just not the guy that you want at six, nine playing center for you when Jakob Pearl is off the floor. OK, the, he has a time and a place and the Spurs have found that time and place at, you know, during certain games and it's worked very well. But I don't think that is a permanent future spot that they want to reserve for Drew Eubanks. Yeah. Another thing they should not do is put Trey Jones out there with Bryn Forbes. That was a horrible lineup that I never want to see again. That yeah. uh, that is brutal on the ball movement. I, well, not not terribly brutal, but it's you, you have two very extreme kinds of players when you put those two out on the floor together. I mean. Trey Jones will get after you and play defense all day, but he's basically a non-shooter. Bryn Forbes is a matador, but when he catches fire, you have to keep him on the floor. It's it's a real mess. Yes, yeah. I don't want to see that anymore, but let's go ahead and transition now as we're going to talk about some prospects here because as we start bringing the show to a close, we need to go ahead and find out who should Spurs fans keep their eye on. And I know, you know, Everybody's up there already looking at Banchero. Tank for Banchero. I've already heard all the puns about that. Tank for the bank, baby. Yeah. So, Ben, let us know what prospects should we be keeping an eye on? All right. With the Spurs being somewhere in the five to eight range, um, Chet Holmgren, Paolo Banchero off the board. Don't even think about it. They're they're gone. Unless... Unless they absolutely fall off a cliff, and I mean a literal cliff, and break their legs, they are not going to be available at between five and five and eight. They're probably going to go one and three or one and two, some crazy. Yeah, they're they're going top three for sure. With the other top three guy being Jabari Smith, who I like a lot and I think would fit with the Spurs, but I yeah, don't think he will awesome. fall to five. He's too good, and he's playing on a very good Auburn team, which probably helps him as well. So, guys, I would consider. Uh, Jalen Duran, he scares me a bit, though. Um, complete non-shooter, but he's 6'11", 250. He is a grown man. He he is His body is NBA-ready, and he will dunk everything he gets his hands on. Great lob target, freakish athlete, cannot shoot the ball, but rebounds the absolute heck out of the ball. He goes up, he, he is making... He's giving his team extra possessions because he just wills himself to get rebounds as well. So he has a great motor. Um, another guy to keep an eye on, a small forward, Kendall Brown out of Baylor, 6'8", uh, playing really well this year. 
has has kind of snuck up into the first round and in the lottery conversation. I think he's he's projected in that five to eight range. Uh, a guy that absolutely terrifies me, who is projected as a top ten pick right now, uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr. I just I just wrote something up on him, uh, prospect watch for Project Spurs. That dude terrifies me. He could he's been getting comparisons to Michael Porter Jr. Both both good and bad. He doesn't have an injury history, so it's not like a back thing like MPJ is going through. But it is he he could be an excellent shooter, but the, his problem is he plays at the University of Milwaukee because his dad is the coach. He's playing against inferior competition, and in the couple of Power 5 games that I've gotten to watch him play, he has looked completely disinterested at times on defense and on offense. But there are times where he decides you know what? I'm just going to turn it on and I'm going to take over and he can do that. So it's, it's a matter of consistency with him. I mean, he is shooting below 37% from the field right now for this season. And I think a lot of it is because he's playing with lower caliber teammates. He probably feels like he has to force a lot of shots and it's not going great, Bob. So a guy to keep an eye on. I would be very wary though. Um, another guy I like out of college, Keegan Murray, Iowa, Mm-hmm. He was playing behind Luca Garza and Joe Wieskamp last year. So now he's kind of the go-to guy at Iowa. He's scoring really well. He's scoring, I think, almost 22 a game. Uh, shooting. He's struggling from three right now, but he could be a good three-point shooter. But despite shooting almost 31% from three, he's still shooting almost 55% from the field. So even if his threes aren't going in, he's doing other things inside the arc that are good. So... Something to keep an eye on there. I think he's a low-key good defender. He averages almost eight rebounds a game, and he averages over two blocks a game at 6'8 and 225. So I, I happen to like him a lot. He's a guy who's been getting more talk recently as well. So those those are kind of guys I'm looking at right now. I see a trend here, Ben. You're picking a lot of small forwards, power forwards. Yes, and, sir. Uh, currently right now, we have our small, at our small forwards. We have Keldon Johnson, and we have Devin Vassell. We have... Keita Bates-Diop, power forwards, we have Thad Young, and we also have Dougie McBuckets, along with Devontae Kakak and Zach Collins, who has not played. And right. Devontae, he's been delegated to the Austin you know, Spurs <laughs> in the G League. So if he gets playing time, it's going to be minuscule. You know, so yeah. The, I mean, the, the only guy I mentioned in there that has size is Jalen Duren. I mean, he's again, he's six eleven and two fifty, and he's a grown man, but. Again, he would he would basically play a very similar role to Jakob Pertl. He would just be more athletic. True enough. Ben, I'm so, going to give you two names, and I want you to give me your honest take uh, on them. They're not going to be Texas Tech, boy. Texas Tech boys, no, no, are they? Oh, come on, Joe. You know me better than that. <laughs> Do we? Uh, <laughs> yeah. This year, maybe. Uh, the, no. Uh, so, really, like, okay, Nimhard out of Gonzaga. Andrew and Nimhard? Also, and then also uh, a name that not many people talk about, but um, has been a, a fantastic player is Sasser out of Houston. Um, just kind of curious. Do you see those guys as, you know, maybe first round, maybe lottery picks, or are they not first rounders at all? I think Andrew Nembard. So full disclosure, I am a Florida guy and I was very upset when he transferred to Gonzaga. Um, I thought he was a great point guard, and I think people gave him way too much flack because of his style of play or 
whatever you want to call it. I thought it was dumb. I thought I would have loved to have seen him stay, but he has prospered at Gonzaga and he has played really well. And I think that is a guy who could absolutely sneak into the first round. He's a six, five point guard. He is very steady. He's a smart player. He shoots the ball. Well, he doesn't shoot it often because he is a good facilitator. So he gets, you know, he runs that offense and he makes sure that it's doing what it's supposed to do. So I happen to like him a lot. Uh, Marcus Sasser, I have not gotten to watch a whole lot. I, I mean, I saw what he did against Alabama and, you know, you can talk about that being a controversial ending or whatever, but that ball was not going towards the hoop. It was not a goaltend and therefore didn't need to be reviewed. And by the law of the rule, it shouldn't have been reviewed. The refs probably handled it poorly by not staying on the floor and trying to get the hell out of there as quickly as possible, but it is not a play that should have been reviewed. Uh, Marcus Sasser was great in that game. I, I didn't get to catch all of it. I was doing traveling things. So um, I, I do not have a whole lot of info on Marcus Sasser, but all the things I've heard are good so far, and I like him. Um, he actually played tonight, the 14th, against Louisiana, I believe. I can't remember if he was actually in that game or not because he wasn't in the starting lineup. Um, so I can't remember if he played the entire game. I didn't get to watch all of it because I figured – Louisiana is in for a long night with mm. with Houston being such a good team. So I didn't watch that game. But um, Andrew Nembard, big fan, think he can be a first-rounder. Um, I don't think he'll sneak into the lottery. Uh, he's good, but he's not – I also happen to – I also happen to think that we have to see what happens with some of these G League and overtime elite guys because people yeah. are talking about Gene Montero like he is this phenomenal point guard, but I, I haven't gotten to watch any of him yet, so I have to I have to see if any of that hype is real. Um, but Andrew Nembard has a four-year resume sitting in front of us of everything he's done, and I mean, I think it's spectacular. So I like him a lot. Uh, Marcus Sasser, I will do some more research on him for you, sir. I wanted to ask you a question, Ben. If the San Antonio Spurs continue trending, you know, in the direction that they're going, and let's say they win 25, 27 games, you know, that's probably going to put them, what, right around maybe 11th, 12th, you know, as far as picks go? It's probably somewhere in there. Maybe 13th, they could fall as far as maybe 13th, 14th. Depending on where the the lottery balls fall for the San Antonio Spurs. Yes, you're continuing to make me sad, but go on. <laughs> but what I'm saying, though, is if you're in that type of situation, wouldn't it be more conducive to the team to go ahead and trade down in the draft and maybe fill some positions that kind of need filling, you know, with some, some players that you can go ahead and look at and maybe there'll be some project players. Maybe they pan out, you know, you could probably get some value uh, if you go ahead and trade down in the draft. What do you think? Yeah, if you... Yes, there's some value to be had lower down in the draft. I happen to think that a guy like Caleb Houston can provide some really nice value. Excuse me. He's uh, the small forward out of Michigan, a really good shooter. Another guy, Julian Champagne, um, he's about 6'8", 220. Uh, he's a little on the older side. He's, um, he's over 20. Um, a guy... I'm not a I'm not a big fan because he's kind of a tweener. Uh, Damian Collins out of Kentucky, six nine and two ten. You know he's kind of slight, but he's a classic Kentucky athlete where he'll, he'll jump out of gym on you. Uh, a guy like Jabari Walker out of Colorado, I think, is really good. 
Uh, he would be great value near the end of that first round if you can get him there. Um, and really, depending on how far you go down, if you're trading out of, you know, somewhere in the late lottery, you know, if if a Mark Williams falls to you, potentially go there. He's got really long arms. He's also kind of a Jakob Pertle type, but he's probably more athletic as well. Um, but he's a solid seven feet, two forty five. And he's been playing much better this year than he did in his freshman year at Duke. So there's there's definitely value. And especially at the end of the draft or if you're going to be at the end of the lottery, I happen to think a guy like Benedict Mathurin is really good. He's he kind of plays shooting guard for Arizona, but he's 6'7". He's about 200. And he has been shooting incredibly well this season. And, and he's playing incredibly confidently. Um, I love watching Arizona play, frankly. Um, and you want to talk about a guy who's maybe there at the end of the first if he declares Christian Coloco for Arizona, another legit seven-footer, arms for days, phenomenal defensive presence, blocks, alters shots, everything. And, um, I mean, he he has had some really tough matchups, and he is – excelled in those matchups. So I, I happen to like him a lot too. I don't I don't know if he's on a lot of people's mock draft boards, but I think that's someone who should get a lot more attention, especially because Arizona's just playing so well this year. I mean, they have three legit seven-footers on their team, uh, and one of them is a shooter, and the other two are legit low-post presences, you know, you know, one in Coloco, and they actually have Gonzaga transfer Omar Ballo, um, who's kind of the bigger body. He's still 6'11 or 7 feet, but he's he's the bigger body of between him and Coloco. So, you know, Arizona actually has some dudes that I really like. And I think they could – I don't know if they'll all sneak into the first round. It's probably not going to happen, but there are some nice second-round dudes in there or uh, potential first-round guys if they stay this year for another year and go in the 23 draft. Well, it always yeah. comes back to, too, you know, you, you, if they do have two first-round picks this year – so do you, do you take those and package those? I don't think Spurs will because they don't normally do that. But no. um, but as you say, I mean, they almost don't need to move back. If they're going to have a late round, first round, which they probably will, um, then you can take a like a Coloco and, and uh, you know, or, you know, like I, I, I was going to say the same thing. Those Arizona guys this year. They're uh, fun. And, and I know I have to mention Tech once. They did get an Arizona transfer <laughs> in Daniel Bacho, who's six foot 11, and not much was expected, but he couldn't play. He couldn't play against – and get playing time with those guys there and, and he's thriving there. And that was like the fourth option, you know, as a big in, in Arizona's system. So, you know, that alone states how, how deep that, you know, that roster really is. Yeah, I got to tell you one thing though, an update for you, for your Texas tech red Raiders oh right boy. now, they're leading the Arkansas state red wolves who have a record of seven, two, the 25th ranked Texas tech Raiders at seven and right, one baby. are beating them 65 to 45. There you go. There you go. Reckham Tech. Love yeah. to see it. And my daughter got accepted at Texas Tech. We got to go and view the campus in Jan- in January. Okay. And awesome, she, Joe. She's been offered That's a scholarship. So cool. Love to see it. So we'll see what happens, man. But I'll she, tell you the eating spots to go to, my friend. There's some good ones. Oh. I heard there's not a whole lot to do out there beyond that. Oh yeah, there is. You just have to you have to think West Texan is all. Hey, tumbleweeds yeah, is what I'm thinking. Oh yeah, tumbleweeds. There it is. Yeah, you have to decorate tumbleweeds like Christmas, you know, ornaments and, and such. You know, yeah. Uh, hey, it's nice. the for what, it, for what it's worth, the largest one-story mall in America. The one-story mall. True story. Largest one. That mall must go on for days. 
It is huge. It is huge. Yes. Yeah, I ain't got no patience. And for also, uh, legendary calzones right across the street, a little Sicilian place. It, uh, you had me at calzones. <laughs> Man. I, I'm going to go up there the winter in this winter just to go and eat them. I'm telling you. It's, well, it's we this is actually now the food podcast. Yeah, yeah, for real. Oh, like yeah. when we go back up there in January, I think it's January the 12th or something when we go and view the campus, I'll make sure I'll go and try out one of those calzones just for you, Wesley. Amen. I would bring one back, but I don't think it's going to keep. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll put it, it in It does your napkin. stomach a number already after about six hour or seven hour drive. That Yikes. Did that. Ooh. Yeah. We, we, we don't want to talk <laughs> about that. Man. Yeah, the bubble guts on the way back home after, what, a five-hour <laughs> drive? No, man, I'm good. Five, six hours. Congratulations, Joe. That is so cool, man. I'm so so happy for you and your yeah. family. Thanks, It's pretty awesome. But you also got an offer for University of Texas in Austin, Uh-oh. so we'll Uh-oh. see, man. I like me some Longhorns, but, you know, if she goes to Texas Tech, okay. I'm going to have to be, you know, pinkies up, you know, wreck them. <laughs> right, wreck them, baby. All right, guys. Well, you know that we're going to go ahead and bring the show to a close here. But, you know, great talking, you know, Spurs basketball with both of you guys and Ben giving us the insight on what's happening with the uh, prospects that Spurs fans should keep an eye on. So as we close this show, Wesley, where can they follow you on Twitter? At Wesley Perk. I'd love to talk all sports with you. And um, yeah, I do talk a lot of Red Raiders, not going to lie. And uh, but just uh (laughs) Spurs and Cowboys, go Cowboys, continue winning. I don't care how you do it. And uh, just uh, keep keep up the train rolling and let's get get into the playoffs. Cowboys look pretty bad. I'm not going to lie. I'm a Cowboys fan on Sunday. How in the heck do you go and squander a, a, a lead that way? I mean, they were up like, what, 24 to 8? And then, the, the you know, I mean, the Washington football team was left for dead. And then all of a sudden, they Dak throws a pick. He had more than one pick in this game. Then he had like two. And then you just let them back in the game, you know, and, and they barely wind up winning at the end of it. I mean, that's it's three words, Joe, three words, nope. blue Jersey jinx. Yikes. Has more to do with the blue jerseys. I just don't like Mike McCarthy as a coach. Dak, yeah. I think is overrated as a quarterback. I don't think no, he's very go. good. So I'm just being honest with you guys. You here know, here we go. You know, I, I mean, the, guys, so begins, the guy needs Joe. to show me more. Needs to show me more. That's all I'm saying. Needs to show more. The offensive has not been what it needs to be. The defense is the only reason that they've even won some of these games. Dak Trayvon needs to show Diggs. up, and so does Zeke. Zeke needs to stop with that feed Zeke nonsense. Show me some game. You know, show me something. Don't do that. No. No. <laughs> I'd sit him on the bench. You know, put one of the other running backs in there. Give me Pollard. I like Pollard. Yeah. You know, I've got a busted foot. I don't, uh, he's, man, it, torn plantar fascia, man, that's no lie. Oh, they got to tear that to make it feel better. Eesh. But yeah, we're getting into the, the other sports talk here, which is a Dallas Sorry. Cowboy talk. And that's, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, but I keep it real, you know? So <laughs> I, I know disappointment's coming. Heartache is coming soon. They're going to break your heart, Wesley. They always do. Can't They're going to be out in the first round like they always are. I mean, it's. It's typical now. Come on. We, we just know what to expect. Oh, but you know what? It's going to be in dramatic fashion because they're going to wind up being able to almost win the game. But Coach Mike McCarthy is going to leave too much time on the clock. And you know what happens after that. Poor clock management, dude. I mean, come on. That's Classic. coaching 101. We see this almost every other game. You know, I mean, take care of the ball, dude. I, mean, I can't even call the play. It's going to be Matthew Stafford to OBJ in the corner of the end zone. To why the, the hell Cowboys are they throwing? Why are they throwing the ball anyway? Why in, in the hell would you even take a chance of getting picks? 
run it. Run clock, eat the clock. You know, I mean, the game's in hand. What are you trying to do? You know, play oh, smart. Cowboys. Play smart. <laughs> Come on, Ben. Join the bandwagon. Let's go, Ben. Uh, no, this is why I don't have an NFL team. That way I can never be disappointed on Sundays except in myself and my fantasy team, which has been horrible this year. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and Ben, where can they go ahead and follow you on Twitters? On the Twitters. On the Twitters. I am at the underscore Boomstein. Of course, you want to talk prospects. I'm your guy. College basketball, inject it straight into my veins, NBA, whatever you want. I'm here for you. Come yell at me. Yeah. So you can also follow me, Joe Garcia, of Two Shots Podcast at Two Shots Podcast, all spelled out, T-W-O, Two Shots Podcast. And I'm also on the Twitters as well, where I'm most active. And I just just want to make a quick mention here that I did see the Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunez fight. I was shocked. There was a lot of yelling, a lot of screaming, a lot of drinking, celebrating the upset of Amanda Nunez by one Juliana Pena. So I was really shocked, excited, and I'm looking forward to seeing the next fight. You know, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a rematch. So exciting things for, you know, coming. Did you uh, think she was going to lose ever? I mean, I didn't. I just had a a feeling that Juliana Pena was going to show us something. I did not Mm. expect her to win. I thought it was going to be competitive, more so than some of the other matches that Nunez has. You know, I thought Nunez was still going to come out the victor, but I thought it was going to be a competitive match. But lo and behold, <laughs> Benya just took Nunez in the middle of the ring and beat her at her own game. So, I mean, I was quite surprised to see that, you know. So I'm excited to see a rematch, though. I'm telling you, man, that's going to be exciting. They also got an upcoming uh, pay-per-view, you know, UFC, another pay-per-view this Saturday. So looking forward to that as well. But... For Benjamin Bornstein and Wesley Perkins, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you guys for watching another episode and listening to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, and